Hello and welcome back to another episode of Good Samaritan HealthCast. I am your host, Katie Lovell, and I am joined today by Dr. Lee McKinley. Hi, Dr. McKinley. How are you today? Morning. Doing fine. Great. If you want to go on ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, that would be great. So I'm one of the doctors up in the resident faculty practice, which is a uh, joint venture between Indiana, Indiana University School of Medicine and the Good Samaritan Hospital. And so I teach medical residents uh, about internal medicine. Okay. And how long have you been at Good Samaritan? So I've been here three years. Um, my father was born here in Knox County, and my mother was also. And I grew up in Bloomington, Indiana, where I practiced uh, the last 35 years. And so I came here three years ago to, to help start the residency program. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about weight loss and safe treatments for it, if you want to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So just in general, um, you know, a lot of people uh, in our society accept being overweight as being a normal thing. Uh, but from a medical standpoint, if you if you are in the obese category, you are at, at risk for lots of different medical problems, including 13 types of cancer. So so we take obesity seriously and we we diagnose it as a disease, even though it's not really causing a lot of symptoms. Uh, because if we don't address it, then it can lead to other medical problems. Yeah. So if someone were concerned about uh, being overweight or obese, how would they start out with getting treatment? Would they just go to their primary care doctor? Yeah, I think I think that's the best place to start. I'm, I'm kind of prejudiced because I am a primary care doctor, and I think people should start with their family physician or their general internist, or for some women, it's their gynecologist or OB doctor. Uh and, and just get a general uh, um, physical that includes, you know, talking about your family history. And if, again, if you don't know your family's history, you need to find out what it is because it's the closest thing we have to knowing what your genetics are, you know, what you inherited. So knowing about your mom and dad and brother and sister's medical uh, illnesses helps the doctor uh, to know what to look for. So again, having a good history, having a, a physical examination, some simple lab work, really. You really just need your blood pressure checked. You need to have a urine sample uh, to check for sugar and protein. You need to have a blood count and maybe a blood sugar. And for most of us, uh, probably a cholesterol level just to see if, if we're at risk. Okay. And whenever you talk about family history, uh, what would fall into that category? Are you talking about maybe if your mom had a certain type of cancer, if maybe your dad had high cholesterol? Absolutely. So, so cancer history in the family, especially first, first relatives. First relatives are mom, dad, brother, sister. Uh, they're the most powerful predictors of whether you're going to have a problem. There are some genetic diseases that uh, skip generations. And so knowing about your grandparents helps a little bit also in that regard. Uh, the main things we ask about are heart disease because uh, in some families, especially if your mom or dad had heart disease before age 45 or age 55, if they're a woman, uh, that definitely increases your risk of having heart, heart disease yourself. Um, for instance, in my case, I'll just talk about myself. Um, I went in for physical when I was about 40 and my cholesterol was 400. And I eat a very healthy diet. I've tried to stay healthy. So I checked with my dad, and his blood, his cholesterol was 400, and my mother's cholesterol was 300-something. So I inherited it for sure, and so it had yeah. nothing to do with my diet. And so, um, so then I had to ask my doctor, well, what do I do? Because obviously it's, I have no control over the cholesterol, and my diet hasn't helped, so what do I do next? And so 
in my case, they decided to put me on medication to, to lower it. But for some of us, you know, it could be diet. It could be ex- lack of exercise. Um, but it's important to know if you have a family history. Okay. So we've talked about how you would go about starting out this conversation. And I know that you mentioned diet a little bit. So is there one diet that would work? So, so far we haven't found a diet. Uh, even, I, even a very low calorie diet, which is, has some risks involved, uh, which you saw on the TV show, Biggest Loser. Some of those, pay, some of those people uh, were on that very, very low calorie diet, 800 calories a day. Um, it really didn't work. It worked during the, the, the TV show. Uh, if you look at the people who participated in that TV show now, they are very ill. Yeah. Um, so the, the consequences of rapid weight loss, eating a very low calorie diet can cause medical damage to your body. And so uh, the, the healthiest diet is actually a Mediterranean diet. Uh, there's another one called the DASH diet. And those two diets have been shown to lower blood pressure, to lower cholesterol, to reduce heart attack, to reduce stroke. So, And they don't talk about calories. They're talking about quality of the diet uh, rather than, than how many calories you're eating. Okay. So what is an example of a Mediterranean diet? So Mediterranean diets are uh, you know, not Mediterranean food necessarily. It's less red meat. It's less potatoes. Uh, it's more fruits and vegetables, uh, nuts, seeds, berries, uh, different colored things, peppers, green peppers, orange peppers, yellow peppers, red peppers, uh, things that are, you know, they're in our garden in Indiana. They're very easy for us to, to access you know, in a farmer's market or at the grocery store. Uh, but they require some work. You have to cut them up and wash them and cook them. And, you know, and it's so much easier just to eat fast food. Yeah. And the problem with fast food, of course, is that it's very, very full of calories and the and it's full of fat and full of salt and a lot of things that aren't good for you. And that's interesting that you talk about the color of everything and eating almost like a rainbow. My mom used to joke around that I only ate yellow foods. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out that your mom was probably right. I mean, yellow foods in particular have a particular they, they do read uh, they are what we call antioxidants which means they, they slow down your aging process. Uh, if you eat too many yellow foods, you can actually turn yellow. Wow. Uh, so my mom was right. She was right. You could turn yellow. Uh, it won't, it's harmless, but you know, who, wants to look, who wants to be yellow? Nobody probably. But yeah, if you feed a baby carrots every day and squash, after a while babies turn yellow. Wow. And it's not a serious problem, but it means you're overfeeding them, you know, that, that particular food. So um, no, that, that happens. Um, but I think eating, eating the way our grandparents probably ate out of a garden, you know, back in the 1940s and 50s when there was, uh, when World War II was over, people had victory gardens and they, they got a lot of their produce out of their own garden, which was not only cheaper, but healthier. And they were eating a really, really healthy diet. Um, and that kind of changed in the 50s and 60s when we started developing, uh, McDonald's and Burger King and things like that. And so people have kind of move toward more convenience for their mm-hmm. diet. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's not been good for us as a, as a nation. Yeah. So other than diet, is diet the only thing that someone may need to do for like weight loss or does maybe exercise have anything to do with it? 
Yeah, I think exercise is is key. You know, you you have to keep moving, and you know, and it doesn't have to be fancy exercise. It doesn't have to be a workout program. You don't have to buy weights. You don't have to go to a gym. It's just really walking. Uh, and if you could walk about twenty to thirty minutes most days of the week, um, we would all be much healthier. And you know, there's a saying in uh, among doctors that it's better to be uh, fit and fat than to be skinny and weak. And it turns out that people who are fit live longer, feel better, have less problems, even if they're overweight. If they're fit, they do much, much better. If you get skinny and you don't exercise, you really don't lower your cardiovascular risk very much at all. And so skinny people have heart attacks, skinny people have strokes, skinny people have high, high blood pressure. Uh, and so, 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 um, most, at most, uh, weight loss programs require that you eat a healthy diet, not necessarily calorie restricted and that you exercise some every day. So one way to do it is to do 10,000 steps a day. If you have a, a, a cell phone that counts your steps, like some people do, or you could just go out for a walk outdoors. That's probably better for us anyway, to get away from cell phones and TV screens for a little while every day. Uh, the magic number is 150 minutes a week, which is about 20 minutes a day. Hmm. If diet and exercise don't work, uh, you know, and then you get frustrated that you're not losing weight, uh, then what's your next step? And so I have lots of patients that come see me because they've tried diet and exercise and it really wasn't that effective. Yes, they're probably in a little better shape, but they'd like to look better. They'd like to be skinnier and just look better. And so a lot of people ask about taking diet medications to help them lose weight. And um, I have patients probably every day that come see me and ask me if I'll prescribe for them something that will help them lose weight. And, you know, and I, I really wish there was a magic pill, uh, but there are lots of medicines. I think there's now 10 medicines on the market that are approved by the FDA for weight loss. Um, most of them, the older ones, are stimulants. They're basically um, kind of like cocaine. They, mm. they stimulate your body to rev it up, to increase the metabolic rate, and they curb your appetite. And they, they definitely work. People who take these pills lose probably on the average of 10 to 30 pounds in the first month uh, that they take the medication. And so it really helps them get motivated to keep losing weight. Uh, the downside is that they can become addictive, just like cocaine. Uh, they make your heart work harder. They may make your blood pressure go up. They may increase the risk of stroke and heart attack. And so you have to be very careful that you're taking the right amount. And they're limited to only a few weeks. You can only take them for 9 to 12 weeks, and then you have to stop taking them. And the vast majority of people who take diet pills of that type regain all of their weight as soon as they stop taking the pill. Yeah. And so it's not a long-term strategy. Uh, there are some newer drugs, and I just was reading uh, this last week about a drug called terzepatide, which is actually an Eli Lilly drug made here in Indiana, uh, which is um, very effective at not only treating diabetes, but, um, but causes significant weight loss. And it's a drug you could take long term. It doesn't have those same side effects as far as uh, your blood pressure and, and heart. Um, there's also a couple of combinations out there. There's one called bupropion and naltrexone that works on the part of your brain that makes you hungry so that you're less um, 
uh, hungry for food all the time. Uh, there's one called fentramine and topiramate, which is another combination drug of two drugs that can be taken long-term that are very effective. And so um, I think most doctors are nervous about prescribing weight loss drugs because of the older ones that were kind of addictive. And we even had a weight loss drug back in the 80s that caused heart damage. Wow. And people died and had mm -hmm. to have their hearts repaired. So we're, most doctors are a little nervous about prescribing these drugs. Um, and, um, but I think they are effective for some people and some people, um, you know, need, need some help to get started with their weight loss. I do like that you said that about how whenever they start seeing that weight loss, that it motivates them to start, mm -hmm. uh, continuing that weight loss. Because I feel like that's something that I see a lot is those fad diets, like, uh, some people do keto or some people do Weight Watchers or something like that where they can lose weight very quickly and then they think that that's it, that's the end of it, and then they can go back to eating how they did before the diet. So it's all about yeah. changing that lifestyle and the mentality. That's right. And if you talk to most nutritionists, which I'm not a nutritionist, I'm a doctor, but most nutritionists, again, speak in terms of lifestyle rather than diet because we know that a diet, a quote diet doesn't work you know, because most of us don't, don't do it the rest of our lives. And so you need to adopt a lifestyle that includes reduction in stress, avoidance of tobacco, exercise of some type, just walking, uh, healthy diet. Uh, all those things have been shown to reduce risks and, and help people live longer. And really that's what we're, we're about. You know, I don't think everybody in the world needs to be skinny. And I think that um, we all need to be fit. And we all need to be happy and healthy. Those are much more important goals than just your what your weight is. Uh, and I think most doctors um, are more comfortable work helping you with lifestyle changes than with just prescribing a certain diet. Absolutely. And should a diet not work or maybe a medication not work, there are options for weight loss surgery also. Yeah. Correct? And Indiana is one of the states where – Insurance companies that sell health insurance in Indiana are required to cover bariatric surgery. Mm. Uh, you do have to qualify, which means you, your, your body mass index has to be over 40, or you have to have a body mass index over 35 and having complications such as diabetes, hypertension, etc. And so if you meet the criteria of those two and you've, you failed diet and exercise, you have to have at least tried it. Then uh, um, there are places in Indiana, including Evansville, where there's a bariatric center set up uh, where they can assess you and, and help you decide if, if surgery is, is, or is the, the option. And it's a dramatic thing. People who successfully have bariatric surgery lose hundreds of pounds, literally hundreds of pounds. And there's a, there's a, a more minor type of surgery you can do if you just have maybe 20 to 30 pounds to lose, and there's a, a larger one. Uh, where you can lose up to half your body weight. And so um, they, are, they are safe uh, procedures. They, they do require uh, general surgery. So it is a, it is a big undertaking. Uh, you have to be psychologically ready to, to do that. You do have to watch your diet afterwards to keep the weight off because you can regain your weight. Even with bariatric surgery, you can regain your weight. You can yeah. regrow your stomach yeah. by overeating. And so, so we have to pick the right patients who, who are agreeable with, with all those things. And then most patients who have bariatric surgery do have to take vitamins uh, the rest of their lives to compensate for what they're losing 
from their from their surgery. Um, and so, so it is a commitment long term to to eat a healthy lifestyle and to take uh, several multivitamins, including vitamin A, vitamin D, iron, uh, several several others that need to be taken the rest of your life. So, it is a big long term commitment, but it really works. <clears throat> and people who have bariatric surgery uh, get rid of their insulin. They get rid of the, some of their blood pressure medicine. They may be able to cut back on cholesterol medicine. And so it ends up, you know, uh, much simpler as far as medications after surgery. But once again, it's a lifestyle change. I think that that's the big word there is lifestyle. People want it to be quick right. and easy and they want it to hurry up and come right. off. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. So if you're not willing to do that, then you really shouldn't have the surgery either because the surgery won't work if, unless you also want to change your lifestyle. And, you know, if you're the only person in your household and everybody else is eating McDonald's, you know, it's hard to be the one sitting there eating peppers and, you know, green onions and stuff out of the garden when everybody else is eating something else. It's because you're, you know, it's, and so you really have to get your whole family to support you. Yeah. That is to be there with you, to eat with you and embrace the same lifestyle. Uh, And that's hard because, you know, it's hard to get your family to all agree to do the same thing sometimes. Uh, even taking a vacation together is sometimes <laughs> hard to hard to agree where you're going to go for vacation. But 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 changing the lifestyle in a family is a big deal. Yeah. And uh, you know a lot of um, mothers and fathers, you know, it's their responsibility to kind of set the tone for their children so their kids don't grow up with the same issues. And I think it's part of parenting. You know, is to show, you know, we we can't eat a healthier, uh, lead a healthier life as a family, and do this together and make it a family thing. And I think that's really one of the keys to success is trying to engage your family and your friends and everybody to support you because um, it a, it's a hard thing. The other, the other way to look at food, you know, is food can be an addiction to some people. Yeah. You know, it's the way that we deal with stress. And if the way you deal with stress is eating, um, then we need to find an alternative uh, so, because you're always going to have stress. Yeah. And if you can find some other way to deal with it rather than eating – uh, it's going to make your diet work a whole lot better. Yeah. And you said that about how it was almost like a responsibility of the parent. So if you grew up in a household that that wasn't your uh, everyday life and maybe you did eat fast food every day, it could be just a lack of education. You may just not know what you're supposed to be eating and how you're supposed to be eating. So it is great to have a primary care doctor as a resource, not only for their knowledge, but maybe as right. a referral that they can offer for a nutritionist and their right. knowledge. I also ask people to bring their spouse or their children with them to their appointment so that we can all talk about it together. Yeah. And so, you know, trying to get them to, to, to help. I mean, if you look at being overweight or obese as a chronic condition, just like high blood pressure or diabetes, then it means you have to, you do have to change the way you think about it your whole life. Uh, there's no magic pill. There's no magic diet, uh, which is frustrating to most of us, but that's just the way it is. And, you know, and a lot of people who are overweight have have inherited that as well. You know, it's something if you're both of your parents are overweight, you know, you may be overweight, and you can't control that. It's not your fault. And so, you know, a lot of people get angry and upset and frustrated about that. But you know, the truth is that a lot of this we learn, we also inherit from our from our from our parents. And so, you have a chance to not let that happen to your kids if you're yeah. a parent. Is to you can set the tone for your own household and and start making those changes. Yeah. 
So, Dr. McKinley, did you have anything else that you'd like to talk about today? Well, I just want to put a plug in for um, what I do in my clinic. Okay. Uh, uh, we're very proud of the fact that we have <clears throat> almost 60 new physicians in the area, 60. Wow. Uh, uh, after several years of work by Good Samaritan Hospital, um, a consortium of hospitals called SIGMEC, S-I-G-M-E-C, uh, and our partner, St. Uh, Vincent's Hospital. Uh, with them, we are training general internal medicine doctors, some of whom are going to be specialists, cardiology, gastroenterology, kidney doctors. Some of them are going to be family physicians. Some of them are going to be uh, hospitalists, whether well, hospital-based. Uh, we also have a psychiatry residency program going mm-hmm. on here in Vincennes, which is amazing. Yeah. And so, so really, uh, the community should celebrate the fact that we're, we are training here in Vincennes and in Evansville, a whole new generation of physicians, and we hope some of them will stay here and practice and and live with us in southwestern Indiana. Yeah. Vincennes has a lot to offer. Yep. Well, I do want to thank you for being on the show with us. Um, And this wraps up this episode of the Good Samaritan HealthCast. Thank you for listening, and I will see you all next week.